Welcome into NSN Daily here on this Thursday, presented by the Dolan Auto Group. Chris Murray, Alex Margulies, Brian Smudio with the day off. We'll be back with you for the show on Friday. Lots to talk about today, including my favorite topic, as you know, some skiing. We'll have Joanna McWilliams from Kirkwood to give us some updates on what's going on between uh, the three epic resorts, Kirkwood, North Star, and Heavenly. She's the communications manager. Uh, she'll let us know what the newest and latest and greatest stuff with that is. Athlete of the Week. Mason Whitaker from Spanish Springs High School. Shannon Kelly had a chance to go visit him. A uh, star on the Cougars basketball team has gotten off to a great start. We'll also check in with the Wolfpack Coaches Show, something that airs uh, weekly on our station. John Ramey and Spencer Wilson mm -hmm. hosting that at Bullies. And uh, this week they had Nevada assistant basketball coach Craig Noodles Neal. <laughs> we actually get to find out the origin story oh, nice. of Noodles. Uh, cool. I know you've been dying. I actually know that, that one. We'll see if the story lines if up. If it lines with what up the I've same, all right, that'll be good. Be a good test. We'll get that to you uh, next segment. Plus, bet or no bet, including we, we brought it up last week. Home Alone. Home Alone makes <laughs> bet or no bet two weeks in a row. Nice. It uh, deserves it. And we'll we'll see if uh, I think Chris will have an interesting opinion uh, on that one a little bit later on. But uh, first up, Nevada football team getting sent for this bowl game coming up in a few weeks against the uh, Ohio Bobcats mm -hmm. out of the MAC conference. It'll be January 3rd uh, up in Boise. Uh, you guys talked about it a little bit yesterday, uh, but we'll get a chance to hear from their head coach, Frank Solich, here in this first segment. Before we get to that, now that you've had a little more time just to kind of look at them, six and six football team, a very similar conference, the MAC and the Mountain West in terms of uh, level. I mean, to me on paper, it shapes up to be a really entertaining game. Yeah, it should be a really fun game. Now, uh, Athlon actually released uh, ranking from the most fun uh, to the least fun games, 39 bowl games. They had this one 39. <laughs> so maybe they don't necessarily agree, do agree with, with us. agree with us the way we do. But yeah. I do think it's going to be a high scoring game. For Nevada, game. I think it's a good – I mean, for the national landscape, <laughs> the national. I, I don't see a whole lot of intrigue. But if you look at the Wolfpack – and just kind of looking at the matchups and that kind of stuff, it, it does appear to be a, a football game that lines up pretty good. Yeah, it's an, uh, to me, it's an even matchup if both teams were at full strength. Obviously, Nevada's not going to be at full strength, so yeah. that swings a little bit to Ohio's side. Um, but you look at the team, Ohio you know, has not played as, quite as difficult of a schedule. Uh, you know, They haven't gone out and beaten a Power 5 team. They haven't gone out and beaten a Top 25 team uh, like Nevada has done yeah. both of those things. So I think Nevada has a little bit more ceiling if they go out there and play their best. But they've also showed a lot of games where they'll hit kind of their floor. So I think Ohio's been a little bit more steady along the way but yeah they just have a very dynamic offense that's the thing that really stands out to me when you look at this offense I mean they're averaging 5.5 5 yards per carry so they can clearly run the ball uh, and then they're also averaging uh, nearly nine yards per passing attempt which is a huge huge number there too and it's just going to be a fun matchup in terms of what does Nevada do to try and slow down Nathan Rourke I mean this is a dual threat quarterback who does so many great things with his legs uh, a guy who scored 48 touchdowns on the ground in a three-year career as a starter uh, and also is thrown for 60 touchdowns. Nevada did not face a lot of mobile dual threat kind of quarterbacks. Yeah, maybe a little bit against New Mexico, certainly when they went to Wyoming to play Sean Chambers, but Sean got hurt very early in that game. So this is going to be a different challenge for Nevada is how do you deal with somebody who can harm you both with his legs and with his arms? So it should be a really fun matchup. And I would expect this game, uh, you know, to be won by a team that scores in the upper 30s. So I think it's going to take a really good effort from Nevada's offense to go out there and win this game. But Nevada's offense has looked better uh, maybe over the last month of the season, uh, you know, as, as com uh, you know, compared to the first couple of months of the season. Well, then a big part of that, I mean, talking about trying to slow down Ohio's offense, what's Nevada's defense going to look like? Yeah. And that still remains to be seen. That was one of the questions asked by the Ohio media to their head coach, Frank Solich. The second question of two, I'll play part of his press conference uh, that he had this week talking about getting to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl and taking on the Nevada Wolfpack. A talented football team. 
they, um, you, if, as you watch them, you can see that, you know, they've had some up and downs this year, you know. You look at the San Diego State game, you look at the Purdue game, and, and uh, but it's, their season, it hasn't been too far from ours in terms of they've, they've had some great wins, uh, but they've had a few disappointing losses that were uh, very, very close ball games. Um, so I, I see them uh, as as being a really an, an excellent football team on uh, on both sides of the ball. Um, defensively, their upfront people um, will be as probably as good as we've faced uh, in, in our conference. Um, I, I don't think there's much uh, much question about that. You know, um, their linebackers. One of them is a spectacular player, and and the rest can play. Um, and so there's no true weaknesses on the defensive side of it. You see a strong defensive football team that can run, and they're, they're, they're physical. Um, offensively, they, uh, they can run the ball, but um, when they want to throw, they throw. And, um, you know, they, they have the capability of being an excellent um, throwing football team. I think their quarterback is probably around a 61% thrower I, I think is what maybe um, he is in terms of stats um, and and so that kind of throwing can uh, can win you a lot of a lot of football games and um, you know it'll be a test for our, our defense and our pass rush as to uh, uh, our, in our secondary as to how how that all transpires they got a big back they, they can run the ball and so it's not like they're just going to sit back there and then throw. They will mix it up. They'll do a combination of both. They're capable of beating uh, you in, in uh, both those areas. So that's, that's really a lot to prepare for, but that's what we're going to try to do. They ran a 3-3 defensively. Yeah. They ran a 3-3-5 all season. Now there's been reports that they're, they've swapped out most of their defensive staff. How do you, how do you prep? Do you, do you prep what you've seen off all film? Do you, do you, I don't know. I well, already, you know, obviously we were game planning right from the start, right when we found out who we were playing um, around the 3-5 defense, which is not too similar from, uh, not too different from uh, what San Diego State ran when we played them in the, uh, in the bowl game. And it's, so it's different. And you got you to gotta, uh, prepare for that a little differently than what you would for some other base uh, defensive fronts. Uh, they probably don't blitz as much as San Diego State, or they haven't, let me just put it that way, they haven't blitzed as much as San Diego State um, has, has done in the, uh, this, this season. As, um, and, and so they've been more straight up, and it's probably because they have pretty dominant defensive, um, defensive linemen. So uh, what we'll get is anybody's guess. Um, you know the 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 defensive coordinator and the uh, they kept the uh, defensive line coach, which somewhat makes sense since they're really strong in the defensive line. But um, you know it it's it probably gives them their best chance if they're not going to use the defensive line coach as, as their coordinator. Uh, if they bring somebody in, it's going to be like a spring ball for them. They're going to have 15 practices to uh, to to put their uh, defense in, uh, and if it's different than uh, what they're doing, their their head coach will have some say about that, obviously. But if it's different than um, than what they're uh, 
what they've been doing. Uh, they're going to have some time to adjust, get familiar with the players, make sure they're fitting the right roles that they need to fit for the style of defense that they, they plan on playing. It's going to be tougher on us. We're going to have to wait and see who gets hired, where they came from, what what their background is and history is in terms of um, uh, defensive football and start fresh again from that. But um, But we'll we'll probably mix in a, a little bit of what they have done uh, just in case. Yeah, it's interesting to get his perspective on not only facing the Wolfpack, but he doesn't know what they're going to look like on defense. Yeah. And that does kind of create a little bit of a curveball for them in terms of preparation. Like, how do you prepare for Nevada's defense not knowing at this point it could be exactly the way it is right now or it could be completely different. That makes it frustrating, I think, for them to try and game plan. Yeah, it's certainly uncertainty for them. I kind of looked at this, and you, you would think, you know, just right off the bat that this is not a good thing for Nevada because mm -hmm. they don't have a staff in place uh, to really, you know, a play caller and all of those kinds of right. things. But I guess on the flip side is Ohio has no idea what they're going to do. Right. Maybe they completely change what they want to do. I don't think they're going to have a new coach, defensive coordinator in place mm -hmm. for the 15 spring ball practices, as Coach Solich said. I mean, uh, you know, somebody would have to be hired right now and I, I don't think Nevada had somebody lined up when they made these moves. Uh, but, yeah, Ohio's going to go into this game having really no idea what Nevada's going to do defensively, and maybe that is a little bit of an advantage for the Wolfpack. Obviously, uh, the Wolfpack losing three key players for the entire game and a fourth player uh, who Coach Solich called spectacular in Gabe Sewell for half of a game uh, does not play to Nevada's favor. But one thing we have seen with this defense is when backups have had the opportunity to step in, they really have risen. Uh, you know, Lawson Hall, uh, Burdell Robbins, who mm -hmm. will probably be starting this game in place of Daniel Brown, Sam Hammond winning a Defensive Player of the Week award, uh, you know, stepping in for Cam Toomer, who was injured. So you're going to have to see guys like Chris Green step in for Halsey Sakona yep. and play really, really well. Burdell Robbins is going to have to have a good game as the other starting quarterback on the other side of EJ Muhammad. Uh, you have Gay Subel going down, so can Kyle Adams go up there and play really, really well? So, yeah, Austin Arnold going down, so does Amani Johnson come out and play really well? I, I do think it's still an advantage for Ohio with Nevada going through all of this uncertainty on the defensive side of the ball. It's just you look at what Ohio does on offense and how good they've been there and all of this stuff that's gone on with the Nevada personnel and with their staff. It's hard for me to see Nevada holding Ohio below 30 points. This is an offense that's averaging nearly 43 points per game over its last seven games. Uh, so it, it's going to be a huge challenge for Nevada defensively. Mm -hmm. It's will the offense rise to the occasion yep. because there are a lot of opportunities for Nevada's offense in this game. Ohio is not good defensively. They don't create turnovers. They don't put pressure on the quarterback. They don't get tackles for loss. There's some vulnerability in stopping the run. So uh, Nevada's going to have a whole month mm -hmm. uh, to you know get their game plan in place and figure out what they think they can do well against Ohio's defense. So I think I can see Carson Strong, who's going to be even more healthy given the long season he played through. Uh, you know, him and his unit should have a really good game in this one, and I think they're going to have to have a good game to win this game. Now that the, the game is this far out, January 3rd, does this give Romeo Dubs enough time, do you think, to get back and be healthy? And if he does, to me, that's such a crucial piece of the offense, and that was something they were sorely missing against UNLV. They just didn't have that guy that could really stretch and go over the top. Uh, do you think he'll be back and ready for this game? Yeah, he should be. I mean, there was some thought that he might be able to play for the UNLV game, so I think given the extra rest, he should be able to come out as long as there's no uh, backsliding in, in his rehab there. And I think this will be a game that's won by big plays because Ohio gives up 
big plays on defense, and they got a lot of big plays on offense. They've got some playmakers on that side of the ball. So who makes the big plays in this game? Nevada made them against San Diego State. They made them against Fresno State, and they did not make them against UNLV. So that's kind of been uh, Nevada season. But just given how crazy this season has been for Nevada, I mean, all of the highs of beating Purdue on a 56-yard field goal and then beating a ranked team uh, top 25 on the road and then beating Fresno State as a 14-point underdog. Then you have the downs of losing to Oregon by 71 points, you know, get blown out by Hawaii, get blown out by Utah State and Wyoming. Uh, it's really hard to predict how this team yeah. has come out this season. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, a lot of the intangible things are going in Ohio's direction. Uh, but I would not be shocked if Nevada won this game just because it's been very hard to predict. Uh, and Nevada has actually lost 11 straight games on this blue turf. Uh, nine times against Boise State, two times in this bowl game. Last time they won, 1997. Wow. So they are due for a win in Boise. Does it come in January? We'll see. But Nevada is going to have to have some pretty good practices on the defensive side of the ball as they try and figure out exactly what they want to do. Are they just going to play what they have done mm -hmm. all season because this is what the guys are, are comfortable with? Uh, or are they going to make changes? Because you don't fire an entire coaching staff, uh, sans one player, Jackie Ship or one coach, Jackie Ship, right. if you don't want some changes. So what changes are we going to see with uh, Nevada? Are they going to be more aggressive? Are they going to blitz more? Are they going to go to a four-man front? Uh, you know, Frank Solich and his crew have to think of all of those things yeah. to prepare for this game. A lot of interesting things to talk about here in the coming weeks before this game. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, we'll visit the Wolfpack Coaches Show. That was taped last night over at Bullies. And one of the interviews with, with Nevada assistant coach Craig Neal will pick up part of that conversation for you and give you a little taste of the Coaches Show next. All right, welcome back to NSN Daily, brought to you by the Dolan Auto Group, Chris Murray and Alex Margulies. Every week we have the Wolfpack Coaches Radio Show air on Nevada Sportsnet. It airs in the morning, sometimes the afternoon, catch it kind of all day long. And wanted to give you guys a little snip of what happened on this week's show over at Bullies with John Ramey and Spencer Wilson. Here was part of their conversation with Nevada assistant basketball coach Craig Neal. Coach, before you came uh, to Nevada, you spent some time over there in Europe. I know you were over there as a, uh, as a player, but you also uh, spent some time in Monaco as a director of sport over there. How was how was that? What was that experience like? Uh, Monaco is mean, unique. Places. Yeah, it's 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 a unique place. So, yeah. um, I was very fortunate to get to spend 12 months over there. So it's uh, it's a unique place, and and they're hungry to learn about basketball. So it was a good situation for me. So I got to be in charge of a a sport for a whole country, but the country is only 38,000 people. So it's uh, it's a little bit different, but it's a great place to live. And I had a lot of, I had a great time. Still had a good amount of teams too. What was it? 20, 23 teams you were 23 you know, teams. over? Yeah, 23 teams, 21 and under all the way down to nine and under. So it was basically running a big AAU program for a country. So it was good. You know, I got to, I got to travel all over France and all over Europe. So it was a good situation and a good learning experience. And then you brought the NBA global camp as well there to, yeah. to Monica. What was that like? That's going to be, that's, yeah, that's going to be big. Um, Kiki Vanaway, who's the vice president of the NBA right now, was my teammate when we played for the Trailblazers. So they wanted to bring, like, the Chicago Combine to Europe. And okay. they used to have it at um, in Treviso in Italy. And so we bid on it, bid on it, bid on it, and then we signed a 10-year contract to bring it to Monaco. So wow. Kiki was very helpful with that, and, and I was a part of that. So they'll be there for the next 10 years, so I'm excited about that. Fans get up-to-the-minute headlines at NevadaSportsNet.com 24 hours a day. Coach Alford refers to you publicly, privately, colloquially, exclusively <laughs> as noodles. Yeah. Now, I haven't known you that long. Yeah. Uh, you're a grown man. I mean, right. 
Who gets to call you noodles? Uh, everybody's been doing it lately. Team, <laughs> uh, players. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of my nickname. Do you, so do you have a, do you have a policy? Do you have a preference? Not, for not first really. mention, Coach Neils. Not second really. Mention, I, noodles? The only the only thing I don't like is when somebody doesn't know me and tries to refer me as that. Right. So. But it's fine. I mean, I've had it for a long time. So I was going to say, that's a, that feels Nobody like knows me as Craig, so everybody knows me as is, is there a um, Is there an uh, origination story we can? Uh, I just played my first NBA game at 6'4", the same height I am, 160 yeah. pounds, okay. and I played in college about 145. So it's a critique of your physique, it's or was it an observation? Was, yeah, it was an observation of me running down the floor. Looks like a bunch of noodles. <laughs> I didn't know if so you were like a kinda, carb enthusiast or no, what the story no, was. No, no, no. That's just kind of that's kind of how it took off. So, like Coach Alford, I mean, you've had an incredible career, lifetime in basketball. And, and one thing I, I don't think I've discussed a lot with with Coach Alford, but you're also from Indiana. You grew right. up playing basketball. For anybody who hasn't made the drive, say, from Indianapolis to Bloomington, uh, you drive. It's about an hour south, mm -hmm. and you go past. You go through farmland and. Every farmhouse, every one has a hoop. Has a goal. Outside. It's unlike any other sporting culture I've been exposed to. I, I spent a little bit of time in right. Indiana. Right. Uh, can you kind of relay what I, that's like? I, it was, yeah, it was, it was a religion for us, but I was one of the unique situations is that I didn't have a goal at my house, which I was one of the few that didn't because I had a key to the gym. Because well, my dad was a high school yeah, coach, right. so <laughs> we're the only, probably the only family in the city that didn't have a goal. So, uh, but we have a key to the gym. But it, it's it's definitely a, re a religion there as far as the game and growing up, and, and it's everywhere. It's not just in um, one or two areas or one town. It's everybody. It's the whole state. And I think the biggest thing was when we played basketball, um, there's no classes. It was everybody competed against everybody. So big school, um, small school, big school didn't matter. Didn't matter. Right. No classes, and uh, so that was unique. Uh, they there is an understanding in in the game of basketball that maybe New York players or East Coast players are a certain <laughs> way, and West Coast players are a certain way. Is there an Indiana style? Is there an Indiana game? A lot of shooters. I mean, Larry Bird. A lot of shooters. You. A lot of shooters. Coach. You know. Yeah. I mean, but is that it? Just guys that shoot. No, I think it's just – I think we just learned how to play the right way at a, at a young age, and we're, we're learning the fundamentals at a young age. And, and, we, and we all grew up learning how to work. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot. We weren't, we weren't gifted with a lot, but we worked to get what we wanted to get, and, and that came from almost everybody that I know that played college basketball. Um, you know, a lot of guys that was – a guy that was Mr. Basketball played for my father. Um, his family owned watermelon fields, cantaloupe fields, and they worked all the time. They were farmers. So I think the work ethic and, and everything that we did, I think that helped us get to where we needed to go. So Craig Neal learns the game of basketball from your dad who's a coach right. in Indiana, and then you go and play for Bobby Kremens at, yeah, at, Do it was, at Georgia it, Tech. Yeah, it was a little different, a little different than playing for my dad. So Coach Kremens is another iconic figure I don't know if he's quite as uh, universally known today as maybe Coach Knight was. No, no. But, no. but he was simply just less controversial. Yeah. And, and Bobby was more concerned about his kids, and he wasn't an X and O guy, but um, he just recruited, 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 and got the best players, and he let us play. So 
you know, he was one of those guys that you love playing for because he lets you play and, and he didn't micromanage you or expect you to do certain things, and we would run through a wall for him. Uh, you played in the ACC, mm -hmm. right? Um, really and, good conference. And, and it's, it's still an incredible basketball <laughs> it's conference. It's a really good conference. But I'm thinking when you were there, uh, Michael Jordan had just left. James there. Worthy. No, I played against him. You played against him? Played Jordan, Sam Perkins. Sam Perkins. Lynn Bias. Was, Lynn the Bias late, was the late oh, yeah. Lynn Bias. Tell people was, about Lynn Bias, uh, who tragically died just before or just after he was drafted by the Celtics. But he, he was a star at Maryland. He was probably one of the best college players that I've seen or played against. So, and that was, you know, Ralph played then, Michael yeah, Jordan yes. played then. Yeah. So it was. That's Ralph Sampson. It was. Uh, we had a really good league at that time. But I, I, as somebody who is a little bit too young to appreciate Bias's game, um, he... I think he was the, the first version, not major, of LeBron when LeBron was younger. He can't handle the ball, ball like LeBron, but his body was that, that type of player. It, yeah, it's just a fascinating time that, yeah. that you played uh, the college game in that conference. Yeah, it was a great era. And then you played in the NBA, and, and I want to talk to you about that. Because I, I'm curious about your coaching influences. Did you play for Mike Dunleavy at, in Portland? No, I played for Mike Schuler. Okay. But uh, Rick Adelman was on that staff. Right. John Wetzel was on that staff. Maurice Lucas was on that staff. So that was the group I played for. Uh, and then in Miami, I played for Ronnie Rothstein, who was a Chuck, Chuck Daly disciple. Uh, and then in Denver, I played for Coach Westhead, who was... Of course, the famous Loyola Marymount coach yep. and, and uh, so coached Magic to his first championship yeah, too. Yeah, and I, so I kind of I got a lot of different things from a lot of different people. That's it. When you talk to coaches, they tend to say they borrow a little bit. From yeah, everybody. and then, then I was fortunate enough to work with I think who's one of the greatest coaches ever, Lenny Wilkins, who was in the Hall of Fame sure. as a player and Hall of Fame as a coach. So I've been blessed in that 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 part of my my career. Tell me about the NBA. Uh, I was thankful I got out of it. <laughs> it's just a lot. I think the biggest thing in the NBA that, that, I, that I didn't like about it is you play 82 games. Uh, the last year that I coached in Toronto, we lost 17 straight games, and you, didn't, you were numb to winning and losing. And we lost 17 games in a row, and then we won 12 straight and made the playoffs. So it's just a... It's on wow. to the next one. You're getting on planes like taxis. and um, But the NBA is a great game. Don't I mean, I didn't mean that I didn't love it. I no, didn't like I it. You. But, I mean, it's just the only difference is that in college athletics is you're in it for a different reason. In college athletics, you're in to help student athletes. Um, you want to make an impact on young people's lives. In the NBA, it's just basketball, basketball. Here you have a lot of other things that, that you have to juggle. At Camelot Party Rentals, we make it great so you can celebrate with the best selection of rental equipment for weddings and special events. Camelot Party Rentals, proud sponsor of the Nevada Wolfpack. We are visiting with Craig Neal on the Wolfpack Coaches Show, presented by Dolan Lexus. We are live at Bully Sports Bar and Grill on Rob Drive. It seems, and this is just my observation, but there, there is a little bit of a, um, it seemed almost inevitable you would come to northern Nevada um, because not only do you have the basketball relationship with Steve Alford, but you also have one with the previous head coach. You played <laughs> yeah. for Eric Musselman. I played for Eric when he was in 23. The, in the CBA, yeah. which was the Continental Basketball was, Association. When he was a young, young, now, young coach. Clearly, Muss is mellowed with age. Uh, that's a joke. <laughs> I mean, was he? I mean, what was that like playing for Muss at 23? Um, 
It was different, but he was a really good coach. So I had a good experience with Eric. Um, I did text him, and he said you were part player, part coach even then. Yeah, I mean, I, I almost came here last year um, to work for him, but I, I had great, great memories of playing for Eric, and we had a lot of fun. We were really good. Uh, he did a good job, and then he kind of just kept going forward in his career, and, and now he's got great success, but he, he was always a good coach. He was a student of the game, but he had a great relationship with a lot of us, and um, so I've always, I've always kept that dear, and, and, I, and I had fun playing for Eric. A lot of interesting stuff there from that Wolfpack Coaches Show interview. Uh, I think one thing, John, and, and that they do well there, uh, and John and Spencer, is you get to really learn more about the coaches mm -hmm. than just what happened that week. Uh, some interesting nuggets there. Uh, about Coach Neal, the, the whole noodle story uh, being so thin that he looked like a noodle running down the court. Uh, and then that last piece that actually Coach Neal almost came here last year uh, in that role that was filled by Rex Walters ultimately. You know, and I love stories like this where it's like, okay, like if you ask Craig Neal seven, eight years ago, if in 2019 he would be working at the University of Nevada with Steve Alford as the head coach, <laughs> or even last year, like this yeah. time or six months prior to that last year, if you'd be at Nevada, with Steve Alford at Nevada, uh, it's kind of funny to think about that way. Oh, yeah. If you go back to last year at this time, uh, nobody would have thought Steve Alford would be Nevada's coach and right. Craig Neal would be his lead assistant. It is crazy uh, what the profession kind of does for you and how often you have to move around and how much uncertainty there is from one year to the next. I think it is a great thing that, uh, you know, Coach Alford was able to get Craig Neal on his staff because these guys have been friends since high school. Uh, they really rely on each other. They did so many great things together at New Mexico mm -hmm. and at, uh, you know, stops before that. So, uh, you know, he, he has a huge impact on the offense and how Nevada plays this offense. I think people look at Steve Alford, and he was such a good offensive player at Indiana, and it's the reason he got drafted in the NBA, and think, okay, Steve Alford is running this offense, but that's not really how it works. Uh, both at New Mexico and here, Craig Neal is kind of in charge of Nevada's offense, uh, and he certainly has a lot of really talented players to mm -hmm. work for. And Nevada put up a pretty penny to bring him in here. Craig Neal is the highest paid assistant coach uh, at Nevada in any sport ever. And usually when you think about that, it's going to be an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator, uh, but Nevada really did invest into bringing Craig Neal here because he is kind of like uh, uh, a second head coach. He does have that associate mm -hmm. head coach title, uh, but this is a guy who's been a head coach in the Mountain West before as well. So the uh, the combination of those two, uh, and the friendship that they have, and the things they've been through, uh, you know, really great for these players to learn from. And he spoke, you know, he spoke about how much he likes the college game over that NBA uh, game. And I was actually looking up because it seemed unrealistic that a team would lose 17 straight games and then win 12 straight games <laughs> later in the season. Actually, did happen though with the Raptors that season. So that is just a crazy thing that he's been through, and he's been through so much in his career uh, that he has a, certainly a lot of wisdom to, to pass down to Wolfpack players. So if you want to join the Wolfpack Coach Show, it's live every week at Bullies. Next week's is going to be on a Thursday. The full schedule of when those are, they change every week. You can find that at NevadaSportsNet.com with that Wolfpack Coaches Show. You can watch last night's. If you want to tune in to the show on Nevada Sportsnet, there are some airings for you, 5 o'clock and 8 o'clock for those of you watching our show earlier, hearing it today, 1, 5, and 9 on Friday for the full list of, of re-airs of that. You can, again, find that on our website. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, we're going to check in with Kirkwood's Joanna McWilliams. She's the communications director for Their Heavenly and North Star about the conditions, some terrain opening up this week. These skiers out there might want to listen in. Next. All right, welcome back to NSN Daily. Chris Murray and Alex Margulies. You know, I used this term last week, and it's a cliche from Julian. He loves to say, I must be living right. Well, <laughs> again, I feel like I must be living right because I come back from this long trip uh, in Utah and Colorado. And I'm not going to lie, I'm a little tired, and I do have the weekend off. And usually 
Uh, I, I try not to, to go too crazy on my days off, but I just found out that Kirkwood mm -hmm. is going to open up 100% of their terrain on Friday. Uh, where do you think that's going to make me? Uh, that's probably going to put you at Kirkwood. <laughs> Kirkwood's kind of the home course for people in Douglas County where I grew up. That's right. Yeah, that's there's right. a ski club. Uh, you know, you, you went to the high school. There were buses that took you there every weekend. So uh, it's one of the more fonder ones in my memory. Obviously, I don't I don't go skiing a lot. Yeah. But, uh, you know, my brothers and my sister grew up skiing on that mountain. So, uh, you know, it's, it's like an hour yeah, from, yeah, not from too far Gardnerville? Away. Not too far away. So a, a great place to ski. All right. So a lot of great skiing this weekend. And talk about that, we've got Joanna McWilliams. She's the communications manager for Kirkwood Heavenly and North Star. Joanna, let's get right to the chase. I'm seeing reports of 100% terrain open at Kirkwood on Friday. Can you confirm that? Yeah, the plan is to open 100% of available terrain at Kirkwood on Friday. So that includes the famed Back Bowl area, the Devil's Corral area. Um, the wall's open right now, so you can come and ski that. The whole front side's open, and the Timber Creek base area, which is a great learner's area. Yeah, I absolutely love the backside of Kirkwood. To me, people ask me, okay, what's your favorite zone in the entire Tahoe region? I've skied, you know, 10 or 12 of the ski resorts. The backside of Kirkwood, I would say, is my absolute favorite when you get it in the right conditions. Joanna, do you have a favorite? I, you get a chance to ski all three of these resorts. Is there an area that if you said, all right, the conditions are right. This is where I'm going. Yeah, you know, I love skiing at all three of our resorts. It's a major perk of this job. <laughs> um, but right now, I've had a lot of fun just skiing here at Heavenly, getting in shape for the season. You know, it is early season still, so it's important to take it easy, do some of your favorite runs, and uh, get back out there. When you talk about the snowfall you guys have gotten this early in the season, I mean, we're looking at six feet for Kirkwood during the month of December, uh, four feet for the rest of the resorts at least uh, for the entire month of December. Just tell people how rare it is and, and how, I guess, fortunate it is for the skiers and riders to have this much snow and this much available terrain to ski. We're talking about the second week of December having this much terrain. It's really a great thing right now especially going into the holiday season we know our guests are going to have a ton of available terrain to ski and ride and enjoy and just to have all of our mountains um, firing at full speed ahead is great which uh you know you're obviously at kirkwood right now so what kind of se separates kirkwood or from she's the at heavenly right now oh right? you're at heavenly yeah. right now i guess what, what kind of separates uh each of the individual resorts that make them maybe special and unique from each other i haven't uh, i'm not an avid skier so for kind of the beginners out there the youngsters out there the people who haven't gotten along gone along uh, a long time uh you know what makes each of them maybe a little bit different yeah so i'm um, i'm in front of cal lodge right now at heavenly and Heavenly has some of the best views of Lake Tahoe. And we're also a great place to go with a group. So if you have mixed ability skiers or maybe some people that ski, you can come here. You can do some tubing, some après experience at Tamarack or Lat 38. And then everyone can kind of enjoy their experience separately and together. And then obviously Kirkwood, which you're showing footage of right now, we are just known for our incredible mountain and terrain. And we've had so much awesome snow there. As you can see, look at this knee deep powder. Is that you? Um, Is that you, Joanna? No, no, that's one of our uh, freelancers, <laughs> but I did get out on that day and it was pretty amazing. 
So, and one thing about Kirkwood, you know, our Timber Creek base area is now open. So if you're a beginner, that's a fantastic place to go because you can progress from from Funny Bunny all the way to the Ditch of Doom, which is a blue trail and really gives you that progression and um, experience to feel comfortable in different parts of the mountain. I think it's one of the really cool things. So with the Epic Pass, basically, you get an opportunity to ski all three of these. Unfortunately, that is already over with. You cannot buy Epic Passes now for the rest of the season. So if you're an idiot like me and you waited too long to buy your <laughs> Epic Pass, which gets you access to all three resorts, what's the best way to save some money and get access uh, to buy day tickets? Where, how do you recommend people go about buying tickets? Yeah, you can just visit us online and buy the tickets in advance. So that'll save you a little bit of time and get you up on the mountain quicker and we welcome all guests you know it's all right if you forgot you still come out to the mountain and ski with us <laughs> and I, I did read this year so if you do buy a day pass far enough in advance they'll actually mail it to you and so you don't even have to worry about going and picking it up you can go straight up to the ski lift and get scanned right in yeah that's correct we're really trying to make it a seamless process because we know everyone just wants to get up on the mountain and ski and ride and be it out in this great snow that we have all right, Joanna, before we let you go, where are you skiing this weekend? I think I'm going to do a little mix. I'm going to ski at Heavenly on Saturday and then Kirkwood on Sunday. Sounds like a pretty <laughs> pretty good weekend. All right, Joanna, thanks so much for joining us on the show. We'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, thanks. Take care, guys. All right, Joanna McWilliams from Kirkwood Heavenly and North Star, communications manager for all three of those. I, I think if there's one job that I would do <laughs> if I wasn't doing this job, and don't get me wrong, I feel very fortunate uh, extremely fortunate to have the job that I do and the fact that it allows me to go skiing uh -huh. uh, during work. But I think if I were to not do what I'm doing, that would be a pretty sweet job as well because I mean, you get to work in a mountain. Yeah, no, it's got to be really, really fun. And scree uh, fr free lift patches, passes as well, uh, you know, a nice little perk. But, oh, uh, yeah, we have great uh, resorts here, obviously, and to be able to represent three of them and, and talk about them, uh, you know, it's, it's not the hardest job in the world, doesn't seem like. <laughs> obviously, there's probably some behind-the-scenes stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's easy to brag up those places for sure. I hope you guys can get out and enjoy the mountain this weekend. should be great all around the region. Mount Rose, uh, I believe, also getting to 100% open so those of you living in Reno want to make the trek out there but uh, get out enjoy wherever you can and, and uh, hope to see you guys on the mountain later on in the show during better no bet I've got a skiing related question for Chris Murray okay. you want to stay tuned for that coming up next year on NSN daily we'll go to our Dolan athlete of the week we're going to Spanish Springs High School Shannon Kelly will have that story coming up Welcome back to NSN Daily, brought to you by the Dolan Auto Group, Chris Murray and Alex Margulies. Every week we feature a Dolan Athlete of the Week, and Shannon Kelly has more on Spanish Springs' Mason Whitaker. Well, first and foremost, his experience. You know, he's played a lot of basketball, and, and he's been on you know league championship teams and region championship teams, you know, so he's kind of experienced a little bit of everything, and we're going to rely on him to uh, be a leader with his teammates in regards to that. And, um, you know, I... I Early in his career here, it was not just about scoring points for him either. Like he started on some really good teams where he was a role player, and now he's the majority of the time balls in his hands. And so he's got a little bit of a learning curve as well. And uh, he's handled us, you know, well so far, and it's going to be a great season for him. Energy is contagious, and so is the opposite of that, right? And so we, we want him to, with what he's experienced and what he's been through, to uh, lead by example as well as as verbally as I already said. But starting with his energy and, and modeling, you know, correct things, and we'll go from there. Well, I definitely came in as a big, not really guard much, so 
I mean, Penny's definitely shaped me into a guard. Last year we had a lot more scores than we do this year, so definitely stepping up into that role has been kind of huge for us, and I think that's what I'll do this whole season. But we definitely have guys that can also do that, so it's not going to be just me. What do you want to accomplish during your senior year? Uh, I just want to win league and regionals. That's the main goal, it's just win. All right, Spanish Springs hoping a couple of games this week. They'll be at home against Grants Pass out of Oregon at 7.30 tonight. Tomorrow out of against Lincoln uh, out of Lincoln, California. That game will be at 7 o'clock. For more Athletes of the Week, you can also find those on our website. Check out the special tab under Features. Coming up next, it's bet or no bet time, home alone. we got some skiing and, of course, some sports. Garrett Cole, that big contract. Mm, is, wow. that a bet, is that a bet or a no bet? Oh, we'll see. We'll find out. <laughs> All right, it's bet or no bet time. Chris Murray, Alex Margulies. Let's just dive right into this, Chris. All right, Marcus Arroyo hired as the new head mm -hmm. coach at UNLV. Will Marcus Arroyo, during his career at UNLV, win a Mountain West Conference title? Oh, I'll go no bet there. That's hard to do. I mean, you've only seen so far. Boise State has done it, San Diego State has done it, and Fresno State has done it. So you're only talking about three teams who have done it since the divisional split. I do think it's a solid hire. Uh, like I said in yesterday's show, I would not have picked him if I was going for an Oregon coordinator. I would have went with Andy Avalos. Um, but I think he, he, he's a good coach. I mean, he's going to win some games there. I think he'll elevate the program over what Tony Sanchez did, which was 19-40 and 40 during his five-year tenure. I think he will get them to bowl games. Uh, but winning a, a Mountain West championship, I'm, I'm going to go no bet there pretty solidly. Maybe he does win a West division. Though. The West is always pretty open. Mm -hmm. I mean, Hawaii wins with a 5-3 and three conference record this year. Yeah. It's not like on the mountainside. The mountainside, you almost have to be perfect. You have a lot of really good teams over there. Uh, so no bet on UNLV winning the Mountain West. I'm going to go no bet as well. Uh, I think the hire is okay. I'm not, like, thrilled about it. I, the only <laughs> thing I would say that UNLV is going for them, I mean, you're talking about being able to show recruits you're playing in an NFL stadium. Yeah. And so we don't know what the impact of that's going to be. Uh, and if you start getting a different caliber of recruits and you've got a pretty talented young coach, anything could happen, but I'm with you. I think right now uh, with the Boise States of the world and the, and the San Diego States that have just dominated this conference, it, it's a no bet. All right, next one coming up. Garrett Cole signs with the New York Yankees. Chris, $324 <laughs> million. Bet or no bet, Garrett Cole is worth over $300 uh, million. No, I mean, I'll go no bet there. Like, he's a phenomenal pitcher. Uh, giving a power pitcher a nine-year contract, $324 <laughs> million. Now, yes, if they win a World Series or two in his first three or four years, they'll probably say it's worth it. But let me run down a list of some of these contracts. Okay. So, from best to worst, Mike Trout, too early to tell. Bryce Harper, too early to tell. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton. Those are both above 300 Yeah, those right? are bo both above 300 okay. I'm going in order of most uh, lucrative contracts. Okay. You have Giancarlo San Stanton. He already got traded, so that obviously didn't mm -hmm. work out. Then Garrett Cole, Manny Machado, too early to tell. Alex Rodriguez with the Yankees. That didn't work out. They won, what, one title with Yeah, uh, for, with $275 million. I think you want more than that. Yeah. Below that, Alex Rodriguez with the Rangers. He got traded in the middle of that contract. Miguel Cabrera still getting paid a ton of money, not mm -hmm. very good right now. Uh, Albert Pujols getting paid a ton of money, not very good right now. Robinson Cano traded in the middle of that contract. Joey Votto, Reds couldn't move if they wanted to. David Price, yes, the Red Sox did get one World Series mm -hmm. out of that. But he's unmovable. I mean, they're mm -hmm. trying to move him right now, and they might have to give up Mookie Betts because they're paying him too much. Prince Fielder, that didn't work out. Max Scherzer, so 18th. 
He has been worth his contract. You have to go down to contract number 18, $210 million to find a contract That's of that crazy. size that actually worked out. So while you know everybody is you know praising the Yankees and they did get a great pitcher, these contracts never work mm -hmm. out. So if you're a team like the Dodgers who don't give out these contracts, yeah, you're upset as a fan because there was a great player on the market that you did not get. But $324 million, I don't hate the player for it. Uh, obviously, he did a great job, and he's a great pitcher. Um, but to give a, a guy that kind of contract, there's just no history of this actually mm -hmm. being a positive thing. Well, if you're the Yankees, they've got money, but they don't care. They've got, like, I don't care money. Yeah. So for them, like, if they win one World Series, is it worth it? Because this is a New York Yankees franchise that has really taken a downturn that fans have not seen in a very long time. And I, I was there earlier this year, and, and the context was like, there's a, like, basically almost a generation of kids that have grown up that don't know what it's like to be a Yankee fan that wins all the time. And it's kind of like they don't they don't understand what that was like. And it's been yeah. a long time since they've won a World Series at this, this point. This last decade, the only decade since the 1910s that they didn't appear in at least one World Series. Right. So they, they want So they're going for it. They're going yeah. for it. So what is the burden of making it worth it? Is it more than one World Series to say that this is worthwhile? I think in if they mind? win one, they'll if say they it's If they win one, yeah, it's worthwhile. It's in fine. your mind, though, is it worthwhile uh, for one? Yeah, it's not my money. And I haven't won right. since 1988, so <laughs> yeah, I'll give go. them that money if I get a World Series Good out of point. it. Good point. All right, up next, the Los Angeles Dodgers will sign Giants star Madison Bumgarner. Uh, no bet. bet or no bet? I hope it That's doesn't a no bet? I'm going no bet. You well, hope it doesn't happen? Or that will, will, will it happen? Uh, I don't think it will happen. So either. no bet. Yeah, I mean, he is not the pitcher that he was when he was winning World Series with the Giants. If mm -hmm. he's looking for the Zach Wheeler contract, which reportedly he does, that's five years, about $120 million. To me, he's not worth... $25 million a year over five years. He's still a solid pitcher, mm -hmm. but uh, Hunjin Ryu is just as good of a pitcher, if not better right now, and his asking price is probably somewhere around three years, you know, 50 to $60 million. Uh, so I, I would go uh, no bet on that one. All right. Chris will go skiing in the 2019-2020 <laughs> winter. That's a no bet. Uh, I mean, how much does it cost? That's a lot. I got four. I got four people. I got yeah. two adults, two kids. I would say the best stuff. place you could go would be like Diamond Peak. Okay. Diamond Peak, you can get some good decent lift like tickets. Four it's good for kids. Kids are actually free under seven. Okay. There. Got an 11 year old. I might be able to pass her under seven. You I know, got, just a, just got a five year old <laughs> as well. Okay, maybe. So Diamond the five year old Peak. could go for free. Okay. At Diamond Peak. I'm going to go no bet, but I'll check in if that changes. I, I mean, I guess I'm going to say no bet. You're the only <laughs> one that can answer it. So, All right. Uh, you were pretty fired up about this yesterday. Home yeah. Alone has discussed a possible reboot. Yeah. Is this a good idea or bad idea? Let's go a uh, better no bet that this is a good idea. Well, it's no bet. Everybody involved <laughs> should be arrested and thrown in jail. Like, <laughs> it's dumb. Like, the movie like, is what, Why would you do this? Because they want money, but the I thing know. I don't get is they're putting you it can't. on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. So they're not actually putting so it in It's going to be a theaters. garbage movie anyways, yeah, right? Yeah, so uh, they're just not going to make any money off of it. Mm. Uh, I don't like it. I, so I think we had no bets all across the board. <laughs> okay. No, this is good. We're going to call it the no bet segment uh, with Chris Burry. All right, we'll have our final thoughts here on NSN, da NSN Daily wrapping up here this Thursday. All right, Chris, we had someone come by asking to decorate our desk with some garland and some festive time. holiday time. Bet. You think we should have already done it? Like, would you have done it today? I put up my decorations like when did two you, weeks uh, before I was going to ask you, two weeks before Thanksgiving? Yeah, I was getting into it. When did you get your tree? <laughs> well, we bought a new tree. That's why we put it up. When we, did we you get the tree? Trees. Uh, we have three trees. We have three trees. I'm oh, fair. wow. So, yes, we're, we are overdue with garland. Maybe tomorrow's show. All right. I was you saying Monday, some, but, you uh, know. I'm kind of. We can wait till Monday. Okay. Okay. I was trying to figure out when when would be an appropriate time. Last year, I waited so long to get a tree. I actually, they actually ran out of the uh, potted trees. I had bought a real tree, and now it's planted in my front yard. Nice. That's nice. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow.